Hello, friends. Welcome to episode four of the COVID Cast. I'm here with my producer and good friend Dallin Wright. Hello. That was a very chipper hello. I don't know why I went so wild there. <laughs> that was a chipper hello. We can all use a chippering up, I think. The purpose of this COVID cast is twofold. First is to share with you principles and practices that you can use immediately to improve the quality of your life, especially when all of us have had our lives and routines disrupted in some significant way. And the second thing is to find something to give us hope, something to lift us up during this challenging time. Dallin, what should we talk about today? We should talk about the physical side, the physical aspects. That sounds good to me. You mean like not being a sedentary couch potato who weighs 40 pounds heavier a few weeks from now than we do right now? I worry that we're all going to crawl out of our caves and look at each other and go, hmm, you did it too? (laughs) Yeah, you might be right. And in the Life's Best Practices Breakthrough Coaching Program, in the energy course, We talk very much about living with habits and routines that optimize our energy, contribute to our well-being, and lead to the realization of our desired outcomes, of which maintaining physical health and wellness is an essential component. Someone once suggested to me that time is our most valuable resource. And although I do agree time is important, without health, without energy, what good is time? In fact, in that scenario, time could be experienced as a curse if you can't get out of bed, if you're stuck in a hospital because you don't have health, well-being, vitality, what good is it to have a bunch of time? So in this conversation and in this program, I assert that energy is paramount. Maintaining, managing, using our energy efficiently, effectively, and even finding ways to expand the energy that we have as we live each day. One of the reasons that this really hits home with me is before my dad died, and he died at the age 64, by the way, didn't even make it to the age of senior citizen, which I think is a darn shame because when I was 18, I thought 30 sounded old. And then I got to be 30 and I didn't think that 50 or 60 sounded old anymore. And to see my dad pass away at 64 years young was really hard for me. In fact, in some ways I was angry because I wanted more time with him selfishly. You know, I didn't feel like we had the time together to really develop the relationship that I wish we had. It wasn't the kind of father-son relationship where we'd go out in the yard and rake leaves and throw a baseball. And I understood he pushed himself pretty hard at work. And really, I think he prioritized his work over just about everything for a long time, including his health. And eventually that'll catch up to you. And shortly before he died, seeing him in the hospital with his legs amputated due to complications from diabetes, while also suffering from a long list of ailments like kidney failure and retinopathy and arthritis and a whole bunch of other things that I wouldn't wish on anybody. When I saw him after his surgery, after his legs had been amputated, I made two decisions. I decided, number one, that would never be me. I would really protect my health. And number two... I would encourage and support others in doing that same thing. If you don't choose to protect your health, then in some ways you're making a choice not to. Failure to choose is still a choice. Where we have been in our homes, or many of us, for weeks, and it's looking likely that it'll still be a few weeks more, my experience of this is it's a little bit like a cruise ship just because there's food that's pretty much always available. 
Now, I know that's not true for everyone, and I want to acknowledge that because I know there's people who don't eat if they don't eat at school. So it's really a privilege that I'm talking about to have this experience. But for me, this analogy of being on a cruise ship is really apt. The average cruise goer gains, Dallin, guess how many pounds per day on a cruise? At least one. I guess one pound. It's one. It's one. To gain a pound a day on average, that's pretty remarkable. And although there's obviously a lot of factors that go into weight gain, being sedentary and eating more is an almost certain formula to gain weight, I really want to invite you to look at the quality of your movement. And I don't know if you're like me, but I reached a point when I started to get a little older, right around, probably around the time I was in my mid-30s, entering my 40s, where I thought, you know, my workouts changed from wanting to really look good naked or in a swimsuit (laughs) to wanting to preserve flexibility, muscle mass, bone density, things that would result in me being able to have a high quality of life, running marathons if I wanted, into my 60s and 70s, skiing, wrestling with the grandkids. Again, if this isn't something that you've already incorporated into your life in some way, admittedly, it can be a bit more challenging now that The global circumstances have changed, but that's why I'm inviting you to look at what can you do while you are in this quarantine situation, going out for a walk. What can you do, even if you have no equipment, planks, push-ups, squats, to just get a little bit creative and to move your body in ways that feel good? One of our podcast guests, Erwin LaCour, in his book, MoveNow, he talks about having at least six ways to get up from the floor without using your hands. It's kind of his assertion that every one of us should be able to do that. And of course, that involves both some creativity, but also some technical ability. That's maybe the challenge to you listening today to see if if you have the space somewhere in your home where you can give that a shot. I'm going to try that, Dallin. Yeah, a lot of ways that I'm going to have a difficult time getting up. I think that's what you'll find. (laughs) Growth. Yesterday, you talked about going outside and feeling the sun. I also know you have dogs. What have you been doing to stay active? Well, this morning, I went on a walk with my daughter. She's 14 years old. And we took our two dogs, and we just went on a walk around the block. Beautiful day out. And we saw a lot of neighbors out. And all the neighbors, as you'd pass by, everyone would give this space that was needed to get around. And we had a delightful conversation. We talked about things we were seeing in the neighborhood, how it was just a really positive moment, not just for getting out, not just for walking the dogs, but having a conversation with my daughter Sometimes we don't think about the conversations you might have with somebody as you're doing it. And those can be very fulfilling in that environment. The connection between how we feel and what we're doing with our body is pretty enormous, but it's not always evident. When we are in what I would call an empowering state... There are more choices and higher quality choices available to us. Things that didn't seem possible seem possible from an empowered state. I think of a quote I once heard from Vince Lombardi where he said, fatigue makes cowards of us all. 
when we're tired, things just, they seem too hard or they don't seem worth it or like they'll never work out. But the inverse is true as well. So feeling good, I mean, it's its own reward, first of all, but it also can help us to remain motivated, moving toward a goal that's important to us. It can help us to see options that literally were invisible when we were in a lower, what I would say, like a lower emotional state. But I'm reminded also in some cultures where they talk about the body-mind, that they don't distinguish between the mind and the body as this Cartesian split that we've lived in the West, but instead recognizing that it really is one system. And what we do to the body will have an enormous impact on our experience. Dallin, what's giving you hope today? My friend had sent me some video. It was really uplifting. It was of his daughter's school teachers who were driving in a teacher parade. And what they did was they went around the neighborhoods. They went on the bus routes, all the teachers, and they would wave to the kids from the cars. And the kids would come out and say hi and, and all of that. Just It was just a really nice boost these teachers saying, hey, we're thinking of you and these kids to see these teachers going out of their way to make a connection with them. And it was going that one step further than a, a video conference, actually getting in cars and driving around. I thought it was a fan. It was a great idea. And I love seeing how happy his daughter was in that video. That's awesome. That's really fun. What's giving me hope today is Abbott Laboratories is unveiling a coronavirus test that can tell if somebody's infected in as little as five minutes. And it's so small that it can be used almost anywhere. And Abbott Labs will supply tests starting April 1st. And what's cool to me as I read about this is that there's a, a little kind of a box. It's a unit that's already deployed in laboratories and healthcare settings across the country there's about 18,000 of them that are already out there because they're currently used to detect the flu or strep throat or other viruses. So this is a matter of just using an existing technology in a slightly new way to determine you know, who has COVID-19. And I think that's, that's pretty awesome. To wrap up where we began, physical health and well-being, protecting and preserving it. And by the way, it's a lot easier, I think, to protect it than it is to regain it once you've lost it. Health is, in that way, health is a little bit like staying warm when you go outside on a winter day. It's a lot easier to bundle up, to do what's required to preserve what you've got before you walk out the door than it is to try to, to get warm after you've gotten colder, to regain your health after you've lost it. Where it's already challenging to stay largely within the four walls of our home, recognize the importance of this and then to not leave it to chance but to put it in our schedule to make time for it to do it even when we don't feel like it and to recognize that it's often true that when we flip the I'll do it when I feel like it to I'll feel like it when I do it <laughs> you know how many times have you resisted getting into action either on a project or going to the gym and then once you find that flow you hit your stride it actually feels good I'm so grateful to you for listening to this. I hope it's been valuable for you. 
I want to invite you to sign up for the Outcomes and Emotions courses that are part of the School for Good Living's Life's Best Practices Breakthrough Coaching Program. I've decided during this challenging time to make these available to everyone at no cost. It takes probably between two and four hours of your time over a 30-day period to do the coursework. It's an online program. You'd read the material, you'd answer the questions, do the exercises, and then get on a video call with me or maybe another coach and to debrief. And I'll say this, the content in these two courses of outcomes and emotions have changed my life. And there's something that I wish everyone on earth knew. I think that our planet would work a lot better for ourselves, for our interactions with other people, for nature itself, if everybody had this. So again, I want to make it available to you. You can go to goodliving.com and I'll talk to you next time.